Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have Josh Hafkin of Game Gym. Hey there, Josh. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. So, Josh, why don't we begin and just tell us a little bit about yourself to start. Sure. Um, so uh, I've, I've run and, and own the game gym now. And uh, kind of what led me to that was I had two kind of you know, previous careers, one as an athlete, and I swam um, all through, you know, my teenage years, all through college. And then the other half of my life was as a video game marketer. Uh, I worked for Bethesda Softworks. I worked for a marketing company where we worked for a, a bunch of different um, video game companies and things like that. And so now I feel like what I'm doing is taking my background in traditional sports and my video game marketing and put them together to, to start Game Gym now. So that's just a little quick quick background on me. Beautiful. I'm, I'm going to try to get as much advice out of you as I possibly can. <laughs> Not for Good myself, help, but for my audience. Uh, of course. Before we get there, I ask everybody the same question. I'm going to ask you just like I asked everybody else. A scale of 1 to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you, Josh? Super weird. Like, like a nine. I'd Why say. is that? <laughs> um, you know, we're all weird, and I think that, that that that's what makes you special. And I think that that the people, you know, the more that you can embrace it and and uh, you know accept that you're a little weird, but that you're you're you know cool, and that you've got good things to offer the world, the better off. So I think I'm super weird, but I also think that uh, it's what makes me special. So you know, I'll I'll rank that pretty high. Absolutely. I, I'm right in agreement with you. I asked that question kind of to spotlight the fact that I, I think gamers kind of particularly think we rank higher than everybody else. And it's because of that stigma, right? That the gamer stigma, the, the lazy, unmotivated basement dweller. We're all that guy from South Park, right? Totally, totally. Right? So I asked people that thinking, you know, at some point it'll eventually come down. But people, the last guest I had on, I just recorded, uh, she's like, I'm a 3,000. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> that's great I, I do think that you know there is a, a sense of, of people in this world are a little bit more accepting of, of the weirdness because everybody's a little weird you know which I think is a good thing that's right uh, like I, I try to say to my wife you know and every time anytime we do something to our daughter like everybody screws up their kid it's just your own particular way <laughs> worst <laughs> Okay. So Josh, this is the gamerpreneur. I need your gaming credit. Now you gave it a little bit, but when did you first start playing games? Um, so I was, I was always a gamer, um, but it just was always a backseat to athletics. So as I was growing up, um, you know, I would play my Game Boy in between, you know, matches or on the way to, you know, sporting events. And my, my first games were, you know, um, like, Legend of Zelda and Pokemon on, on Game Boy and stuff like that. My brother had a Game Gear. I would play, you know, Mortal Kombat and, and, uh, and Sonic on, on his Game Gear and stuff like that. Um, so my first experience was very mobile. Um, you know, my parents were not really big into games. And so we never had a console growing up. I never had an Xbox or anything like that until I got to college. Um, so, you know, I, I really love the, the just the the world that was in my pocket, you know, in, in the sense of a Game Boy or, or uh, Game Gear or something like that. Absolutely. Now, I have to say, it's been a long time since anyone's ever mentioned Game Gear to me. I'm yeah, like, dude. They're like, I remember those things. Like, they were, they were powerhouses. Those games look beautiful, full color. The batteries lasted like half an hour. Oh, yeah. I mean, essentially, it's the Switch, 
but you can you can't take the the sides off like it's it was the switch or the the Wii, but you know, 20 years or 10 years before it came out, it felt like. Yeah, and those games looked like you'd see oh, yeah. on TV. Sonic was exactly like you'd get on the, the TV. It was amazing. So yeah, I mean that like to me, my gaming experience, and that's why I love the Nintendo Switch so much, is that like my all of a sudden my gaming experience is now free again. And I can be playing, you know, uh, Legend of Zelda on a plane, on a in a car, on a train, or or on my TV back here. So I'm I'm you know, super, super big on the Switch. Fantastic. Okay, what games are you playing now? Um, playing a, I've been playing a lot of Valorant um, recently. Got a beta key a couple of days ago. Um, so for me, like, I really try to play the games that our kids are into so I can help teach them better. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of do it all. I play Smash. Um, I play uh, Valorant, I play Overwatch, I play Rocket League. I'm playing the things that our kids are playing because the more that I'm learning, the better I've found I can teach them. Um, you know, as my learning process goes on through, through these games, I've, um, you know, it, it, it's like, oh, okay, I can now explain that to this kid a little bit better because I'm going through the same things he's going through, but I've, I'm doing it with my, like, adult brain. So, uh, it's been cool. Uh, but right now, very much in the Valorant train. Okay, I, I have to ask because I, I see this, you know, with the millennials and uh, some of the Gen Xers I've had on. They call the Gen Z or Y or, you know, that generation kids. Does that feel weird at all to you to call, you know, these, oh, these kids? No? Yeah, totally. I mean, they're, like, the, I'm not cool anymore. And I learned that a couple of years ago. Um, the nice thing is I, I've worked with kids my whole life. And, you know, even when I was 18, I had kids telling me I wasn't cool and then I was too old. So, you know, I feel like I've just heard it at different levels. Um, but it's, you know, it, it is weird. I'm, I'm going to be 30, 32, 33 in a little bit. Um, don't you dare. Don't you dare. I know, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so maybe not as old as some, but. I definitely, you know, I got a lot more grace since I started game gym. I'll admit it, I'm, I'm 33, so. <laughs> oh, nice. There you go. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they're all my kids. You know, all the game gym kids, are, they're awesome. And, and you know, I think of them as, as uh, you know, extension. And all the coaches do. That's a really big thing is, like, we think of them as our kids. You know, we, they're, our, they're not just, like, people who come and play games with us. They're people we're looking after and we're taking care of. That's fantastic. Okay, um, more on you on the gamer, and then we'll get into the business side, because I, 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 I got to get your, your cred, like, right? Sure, sure. So, uh, two different questions, because I've been asking one, and you know, it's been, okay. Favorite game of all time? Wow. Um, I would probably, like, it, it's tough, because, you know, favorite game I played all the way through would probably be, like, one of the first Legend of Zelda games, like, Ocarina of Time or one of those ones on my Game Boy where I just like realized that there was whole like oh my god this world is massive um but like the game that really you know got me into the scene and I, I even have it tattooed on my arm is Street Fighter so I'd probably have to say Street Fighter in terms of just the the iconicness and, and draw that it, it gave me Which, um, uh, you're talking Street Fighter 2 right not the original original Street Fighter no, no, no. I, well, just the, kind of the franchise in general. I've always loved fighting games and I've always loved Street Fighter. And so as it's grown, 
you know, I kind of grew up with it from just like casually liking it and thinking it was cool to, you know, going to see Capcom Cup and like some of these other experiences. I went to Evo and, and saw, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, Street Fighter on Saturday night uh, in Mandalay Bay. And that was, you know, one of the most hyped things I've ever seen. So Street Fighter just has a really, you know, big thing in my heart. Okay. Now the second kind of half of that question, desert island scenario, you get one game the rest of your life with a power cord and an ethernet cable if necessary. What game is it? It's got to be like Breath of the Wild. Like one of those games that you can never finish. You know, like you haven't I, got I, all the seeds yet? <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm shrine questing and, and I honestly don't want to finish it because I just I want to wait until the new one has a date and then I'm just going to like, you know, plan it so that I don't stop at all. Okay, fantastic. Okay, let's get into the preneur part. You kind of gave us a little bit sure. of your background, but can you go over your professional background one more time, please? Yeah, sure. So, you know, one of the things that um, happened to me as an athlete, and one of the things that we really focus on at Game Gym is I got out of my athletic career and was grossly unprepared for the real world. Um, I was a really good swimmer, and I could swim fast, um, but I could not. I had no skills. I had no internships. Um, I didn't have anything on my resume that would allow me to stand out as I was looking to, uh, you know, get into the world. Um, it's something that I'm really stressing now as we do game gym. It's like, all right, well, like, where can a love of games lead you? And how can you build some of those things into your career? Um, maybe intern at game gym, maybe intern somewhere else. You could get out and, you know, have some, some things on your resume. But so... I got out of the, the swimming world and I was like, I know sports, sports are what I know. And so I, I looked to be a, you know, get into the sports world in DC. So I applied for jobs at the Wizards, the Capitals, different places, um, didn't get anything, thank God. And, um, and, and I had a couple of different odd jobs as I was trying to figure out what I was, you know, what I wanted to do. I did some sale, like online sales for, for like a website platform and, um, I was not a good salesman. I learned that. Um, I worked on DC's Olympic bid, which was very, very cool. This was 2012, and we were bidding on 2024 against LA, Boston, and, um, and a couple other cities. Uh, very, very cool experience. Learned a ton. Um, and through that, I hooked up with a marketing company called Red Peg Marketing out of Alexandria. And they do experiential marketing. And so it's everything from state fairs, NASCAR, um, you know, anything that there's, there's big groups of people and they would do, go do activations for that. Um, my job at the time is I was a Geico, I, I was a, on our a largest count Geico and I was helping them do mobile tours of different areas. And Geico kept on challenging us and saying, hey, where are the next big groups of people? And so we, you know, kind of identified gaming and Comic-Con as uh, this opportunity for Geico. Um, they already have characters. So Comic-Cons and those kinds of things are really good. And they sponsor a lot of sports. So eSports are really good. So we uh, were already Geico's experiential agency. And we pitched them on gaming and eSports. And they were totally all about it. And so for the next two years from that point on, I switched from, um, you know, doing uh, general things and sports to essentially diving into esports. Um, they needed somebody to go to all these events. So I would go, I would run the activation for Geico. I would set it up. I'd run it uh, during, you know, PAX East, PAX West, South by Southwest Gaming, 
we'd break it down and then we'd bring it to the next event. Um, so it was a really, really cool experience to be able to do that. I got to go to pretty much every major gaming event and we helped Geico emerge into this space, into the esports space in a really positive way. Um, you know, people would say, what's Geico doing here? And you'd say, well, but you have a lot of gaming stuff at home. Like you should have renter's insurance. And it kind of like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And so we built this really wonderful program for them that involved live events at the different PAX events and um, uh, online tournaments. And we started Geico Gaming, the, the social handle. Um, and so for two years, I got to build this program for, for Geico, you know, one of this, you know, these massive, massive organizations. And it was the best education in esports I ever could have gotten. Um, it, was, it was so cool. I got to go to all the major events. You know, we, we got to uh, have cool experiences. And, and so it really gave me a clear vision of the landscape. Um, so I got to do that with Geico. And, and through Redpeg, we, we did events for Square Enix, Warner Brothers Games, Disney. Um, and, and Geico was one of the big ones. So that was like kind of the, the first part of things. From there, I went um, to Bethesda Softworks and worked on Quake Champions and, uh, and Wolfenstein 2, um, one which was a huge success and one which was a huge failure. So I learned a ton from both of those games. And, um, and then kind of both of those things led me to, to where I am now at Game Show. That's incredible. That's an amazing backstory. Yeah, it was, I feel very, very lucky. So, so like what inspired you to do game gym then? Like you, you had all this, but then like, what was the thing? So there were a couple of things. Um, you know, my job at, at Red Peg was to be the person that people came to, the brands came to, and they say, you know, hey, Geico, Dove Soap, Jägermeister, um, you know, how do we fit into the gaming space? And so my job was to know so that I could recommend, okay, well, Comic-Cons are a little bit more fun. PBR, you guys should be over here. And, you know, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of another brand that we worked with, but, um, you know, so-and-so, you guys are a little bit more, um, you know, e like sports related. We're going to push you towards esports, and you guys are going to sponsor some, some uh, you know, the E-League or something like that. Um, and what it did, did is it just gave me a really clear vision of the landscape and who was doing what and where. And I realized that you know, no one was really doing anything at the, at the community level, at the, at the rec level. Um, and then that combined with me playing a ton of Street Fighter at the time and wanting to get better. I like in DC, there was one place that I could go to like learn Street Fighter and it was some dude's basement. And, you know, even as an adult, male i was like not really feeling that <laughs> so you know it kind of the question then became like how do i like why is there no place to learn esports in from from philly to to atlanta like that's crazy there's no place that you could go like you, you want to learn how to play basketball there's camps there's programs you want to learn to swim there's this and that like there's not a single place that i could actually go or that a parent would feel comfortable dropping their kid off um, that existed. So the combination of kind of seeing where the industry was, which is very, very top heavy. You can see it with Overwatch right now as they're stumbling, um, super, super top heavy. Um, and no one's focusing, focusing down here at the bottom. So, uh, these two 
things kind of fused and it made me realize that, you know, there was this huge opportunity and a huge gap at the community level and at the education level. Okay. So what exactly do you do at Game Gym then? So we do classes, private lessons, we do camps, birthdays, um, we have tournaments. Um, think of, you know, our, what we call Game Gym is the conduit to the community. Um, there's a huge disconnect between this online world and a mom, you know, knowing that some kid played Fortnite and won $3 million. And how does my kid interact with esports on like a daily basis? So, you know, whether that's, you know, hey, you want to come to the game gym and, and just treat it as a sense of community, we could provide that in the sense of our tournaments, our classes, things like that. Um, say you really, really want to get better. Awesome. We have an avenue for that as well. Our job is to make sure that whether your parents, a new coach or a kid, you have a touch point that's live where there's real people that you can talk to to help you, you know, further that avenue for yourself. Wonderful. Okay. What are like the challenges you're facing in, in getting the community to understand exactly what you're about? So mainly it's that there's, there's kind of two things is one is that we're four kids, but we have to target parents. You know, our job is to convince parents that what we're doing has value and that um, your kids are going to game and it's a much better thing to do to have them game um, with a supervised, you know, in a supervised situation and, um, you know, working through a program. So, one of the challenges is just the, the misconceptions and negative stereotypes that surround gaming in general. Um, you know, a lot of parents don't realize that it can be a great tool to teach leadership skills, communication skills, team building skills, and all of these things that we value about sports can be, um, you know, learned through esports. So that, that's a huge one. Okay. Now, um, is that a generational thing? Uh, do you see that's just kind of across the board? There's that stigma or is it like people our age, we have maybe have kids. If we started, you know, 10 years ago, you got a 10 year old. Do, yeah. is, do they understand more? Totally. Um, you know, we don't get parents who come into the game gym who think that video games cause school shootings. We get parents who are dressing up with their kids and taking them to Comic-Con. You know, like they understand the value of what we're doing. I just think that esports on a mass scale, especially at the community level, because we just sit here in our digital world and we all yell at each other and we're like, yay, esports is huge, like, yay. But like out in, in like the world world, a lot of people have no idea what's going on. Um, you know, people freak out about esports numbers and that, you know, the, the League of Legends World Championships, uh, you know, got more viewers than the NBA or blah, blah, blah. But like, I'll tell you what, um, the Knicks sell out Madison Square Garden on a Tuesday when they play the Kings, and both of those teams are horrible. So um, esports is decades away from having that kind of engagement and having that kind of staying power. Um, and I think that you know those are huge structural things that esports has to figure out if it really wants to, to expand it and do what sports has done, which has become, you know, these pillars of society. Okay. Can I ask you, you, you have you sure. this view of the industry, you've kind of been in the industry to some extent, what can be done? I mean, 
there's so there's millions and millions of gamers out there just waiting for yeah. more content to consume. How do we turn this into a business that actually makes money? So I think one of the main things is we have to make it into a business where the, the more people than the developer are just making money. Um, in the, in, in esports, developer is king. They own, they own the football that with, with that, which you play with. And so, you know, they really, I think person like, you know, they'll help out people here and there and things like that. But I think there needs to be a, a structural ecosystem that goes from pro to, you know, tier two, collegiate, high school, that, that creates a foundation and allows people to grow through that, uh, through that esport as they do through soccer, or basketball, and these kinds of things. Um, I think that, you know, Overwatch, for example, I love Overwatch. It's an amazing thing. From a sports perspective, and as a sports guy, I've seen thing and thing and thing that's like, oh, well, this is why your sports league is struggling. Um, and I think that there's some disconnects there between esports people and sports people that kind of need to be melded together. Um, but I think that, that, you know, the long, the long story to that is I think we need to invest in our communities and the more that you invest in the local scene and invest in the grassroots scene, um, the more your esport will be built from the bottom up and will be able to sustain new games coming out, bad patches, and all the things that kind of hurt games that occur on that, you know, kind of cycle. Um, you know, for example, oh, uh, you know, Blizzard is not going to stop Riot from putting Valorant out, but they could have worked really hard to secure their Tier 2 and their Tier 3 scenes so that those people then didn't jump or want to jump to this new game. Um, they didn't invest in those scenes, and I think they're paying for that that I think, you know, flows all the way down to the community level. Okay. So you are not the first person on my show to suggest that we need to get the colleges, the high schools and younger involved, but esports is a special kind of monster because do we really want peewee gears of war leagues, you know, age 13 year olds, you know, chainsawing up monsters. Like, is that the, really the kind of message we want to be sending? And we, I, I understand that's like the exact prime age where they need to be learning the skills to be good at age 18, 19, 20 when they're able to be pro. You're, you're totally right. I think we need to determine what games are appropriate. To me, I think there's a bunch of really wonderful games out there that are great teaching tools um, that are not, you know, violent at all. I think Super Smash Brothers is one of the most incredible teaching tools because it's intricate and complex but also you have to just rep out combos in the same way that you'd sit in the gym and shoot free throws and then you need to be able to execute in the match when it matters in the moment you know on live stream um and you know just like a free throw that doesn't always happen you may be able to make you know 100 out of 100 in the gym but at the end of the game you know can you hit that shot same thing with Super Smash Brothers. Um, it's very much about, like, can you execute in the moment? The other one I would say is a great example is Rocket League. Rocket League is super simple, and, and, and parents understand and can get behind it. And it's also incredibly intricate, has a great uh, high skill ceiling. But both Rocket League and Smash, you and I could hop on with no experience and have a great time. So I think that games like that have a huge opportunity um, at the community level, because mom and dad aren't going to need a tough sell. 
Valorant, Overwatch, League of Legends. I don't understand that as a parent unless I'm a gamer. So it's harder for me to buy in. Um, and so I think that it's really important in, at the high school level, at the, at the, uh, at the uh, middle school level, that there's a, an establishment of like, all right, what's appropriate? And then who is organizing that? Right now, it's the Wild West. So, you know, we've got you know, National High School Association, you've got Play Versus, you've got small independent leagues, you've got all this kind of different stuff. Um, so it makes it hard to, to kind of unify and create like a, a centralized rules. But I think that um, my hope is that you wouldn't have a 12-year-old Gears of War league, you know, that, that there'd be some, you know, standards put in there so that, you know, we make sure that our, you know, our 14 and unders are playing Rocket League and Smash and, and Overwatch. And then when they graduate to, you know, that next level, that's when they're playing this and that. Um, you know, in terms of the um, expertise that you mentioned at the beginning, these kids are not going to go pro in the game that's popular right now. Like Ninja found Fortnite, but he was a CSGO guy, you know, like all these things. And so it's more about the tools and the skills that you learn along the way than like, oh, I'm an Overwatch guy or I'm an Apex guy or I'm a Valorant guy. There's going to be another game that comes along and that will probably be your game. Um, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't take this game very seriously. Absolutely. Okay. Um, let's go to the marketing piece. Um, sure. How, how are you promoting? Like what, what actual steps are you taking to promote game gen? Yeah. So we we're pretty hyper local focused on our County and, and region, but now with our online programs that we're, that we're launching, we can reach a, a broader audience. So um, we're looking for partners that help us get a broader audience, um, but we're using everything. We use traditional uh, news sources or uh, advertising sources, um, but also one of the things that we've you know gotten really good at is using the local community, um, you know, blogs and, and email lists and things like that. Um, we found kind of the micro influencer level of of a mom with ten thousand people and and. Uh, you know, a really dedicated following does way better than a, a paid Facebook ad where we'll get great engagement, but not really see results. Can you please speak to that a little bit more? So micro influencers, obviously in the gaming space, there's tons of them, right? Sure. Uh, how do you actually activate one of them? How do you actually approach a micro influencer and get them to, to be willing to promote you? Um, well, for us, the nice thing is that you know, it's, it's, we promote community and we, you know, if you promote us, we promote you and, and we do a lot of things like, you know, every, if you want to learn how to commentate, you can come in and give commentating a try at one of our tournaments. Um, you know, we want to make people feel a part of things so that they will then help us retweet and do other things like that. Um, the micro influencers that we're targeting for our, our like actual game gym marketing ourselves um, they're more mom, mom blogs and, and dad things and things like that, because we're trying to convince parents that this is a valid extracurricular activity. Um, the kids already, you know, they want to do this. We got to convince mom and dad. Very cool. I'm thinking outside the box. Okay. Um, so you're, you're very local, but you have the online presence now. What, what, how can you game gym online? Yeah. Um, so we've, we've launched a couple online programs. We have a game gym, um, from home afternoon program that runs from four to six, um, Monday through Friday. And what we do is we meet for 30 minutes on zoom and we play a game. We do an activation. We treat it like a team meeting. 
um, make announcements. These are the tournaments that are coming up. Um, and then we have a, a, a game training session for about an hour and a half, uh, two hours, you know, depending on how long the games go. Um, and each day we'll come in with a specific skill strategy that we're working on. So we alternate Mondays and Wednesdays are non-FBS. So we do Rocket League, Smash, NBA 2K, those kinds of things. Tuesdays and Thursdays are FPS. So we'll do Apex, uh, Valorant, Overwatch, those games. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so being kind of a, a regional local organization, what resources are out there, if you know of any, for someone who may be interested in learning this material and aren't able to get to you? Yeah, so our Game Gym Online program can be accessed anywhere right now. Um, and we're going to be, you know, even though we are still, like when we can open up again, um, we are going to still run our online programs. I think that, you know, what we've seen is that whether you can join us live or, you know, virtually from your home, we can create a sense of community through Zoom and like through seeing each other's face and, and creating that like cool, I don't know, like, I, I, you know, I, we're a team, you know, we cheer each other on, we root each other on. That's, that's what we are. Um, and I want people to join that. And so my hope is through game gym from home that you can do that, whether you're in California or whatever. And if we have to create, you know, a second practice session, um, you know, to accommodate our West coast folks, you know, totally down to do that. Okay. And how long you've had this open? So we've uh, been a, a live venue for two years, two plus years, uh, but this is our first, um, you know, our whole thing has been taking gaming and make it, you know, live and bring it, you know, create the, the gaming community center. So these online programs are brand new and we've just rolled them out in the last week or two. Um, so this opportunity to talk about them is really, really cool. Um, we're starting uh, a, this game gym from home. We're going to be running full weeks of camp in the summer. And then we also have a game gym for parents that we run on Saturdays. Um, that is a free webinar series to talk about different pain points that parents are dealing with. Fantastic. Okay. So in the two years that you've been open, you know, live, um, obviously I'm sure you've learned some things about running an organization that, you know, are different from what you had before. If you could go back and you could talk to, you know, little Josh two years ago, <laughs> what would you say? I would say just, you know, I think that for me, one of the things that I've just been um, completely blown away with is just, you know, running a business is expensive. <laughs> uh, you know, the money that you have to do to have a venue and have, you know, present a, a place where people can come like there's, there's, you know, overhead that comes with that. And I've got a, you know, it's a warehouse. Um, it's a nice warehouse. Um, but I didn't get prime real estate in, you know, downtown Washington, DC, and it's still an expensive venue. So, you know, I think that the main thing is that, um, you know, whenever you start a business, just be aware and, and always kind of have that rainy day fund, you know, thank God I, I, I did that. Um, and I, I wish I would have done it more. Um, but I think that money is just always a thing that you're, you're always concerned with as a business owner and with us having overhead, it's even more concerning. Um, so, you know, a lot of people reached out to me about like starting gaming centers or doing this and that. And I always tell them like, just make sure you have that rainy day fund. Um, as we see now, like this, it's 
devastating. Um, I'm still on the hook for my rent right now, um, but I'll be okay because I, I planned ahead. Um, but I still wish I would have done it more, you know? Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, is it all right if I humble you for a second? And sure, yeah, you, yeah. You know, you've, you've got this fantastic story. Your life is sound, just sounds absolutely incredible, the things you've been able to do and accomplish. But what is something that you have failed at? Because I don't want everybody to think that you're perfect. Um, you know, I think that I would say, you know, a lot of the misconception that I feel like I, people have about me is that, you know, it was that. Um, that it is perfect or that, you know, everything has come, you know, easy. And I think that, you know, I, I went to grad school, got a master's degree, but they rejected me the first time and I had to wait a full year to apply again. Um, you know, I went to the, you know, swimming Olympic trials, but I left things on the table. I could have been better. Um, the different thing, you know, even game gym, I think, you know, what we could be if I'd done this or this or this. So I think one of the things is that, you know, my, a lot of my successes are also on the other side of it. I don't look at them as, as successes. I, I see and focus on that other side. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I've failed a lot. I think that there's, I have a lot of, you know, things I wish I would have done differently in, in my athletic career, um, in my professional career. Um, but I also think that, you know, they are why I'm here today and talking to you. So I think they, they must have pointed me in the right direction. Absolutely. Well, I do appreciate you coming on. Um, what's something that you're working to improve on in yourself? Um, balance, you know, I'm always trying to find the proper balance. You know, I'm an ADD kid, just like everybody else in, in the gaming world. And I feel like I am, um, you know, trying to walk that tightrope. And, you know, sometimes you're, you're in balance, sometimes you're out of balance. But I think that, you know, that's the thing that I'm always striving for. And I feel like one of the things that I've been needing a lot lately is an outlet. I feel like I'm staring at screens or, or playing games a lot. And so I've, I've um, focused a little bit more on cooking um, I've focused a little bit more on music and, and I've started, you know, playing guitar and things like that. So, um, I think those like the non gaming, non work side of, of me, I've been really, it's been fun to develop. Oh, here, check this out. Look at this. This is my, my jam company. Nice. You got jams too. Josh, Josh's jams. <laughs> yeah. How do we find that? Josh's jams.com. Uh, it's not a real thing yet. My wife got me those stickers as a, as a, as a, as a birthday gift, um, because I made a couple jams that were, you know, quite delicious. And I think she's trying to encourage me. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> well, when you've come out with them, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I'll send you, I'll send you a batch. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, Josh, this has been an absolutely incredible interview. Thank you so much. How do people find you? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so um, but you can shoot me an email. My email is josh at gamegym.com. Um, gamegym.com has all of our info, all the info on our online programs. Um, Game Gym Esports is our handle on Twitter and Twitch and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, pretty much just search Game Gym uh, and we'll be there. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I've tried to unify things as possible. So, you know, we're just saying like one thing, you know. 
Perfect. Okay. <laughs> thank you again. Now, um, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to mention or anything I didn't talk about or ask that you think we still need to talk about? Um, you know, I think the main thing about being an entrepreneur in this space is just that you right now, there's so many opportunities and it just takes your hard work plus time. And, you know, that's something that I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of people take advantage of, but you know, if you want to be in esports and want to work on commentary, like start doing commentary, like right now, like if you want to be a video editor, like do it right now. Like I feel like one of the things I always stress to people is your favorite YouTuber has 10,000 YouTube videos. They didn't start that way. You know, look at, look at their first video, probably got like 15 views. Um, if they were lucky. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like, yeah, like 10 were your mom just watching them with her friends. Uh, you know, but yeah, I think that I just want to inspire people to be like, look, like first learn about your esports community, learn about what's going on um, in your scene, in your city, in your game. Then you'll find out where those gaps are and then you can fill those gaps. And I feel like that's, you know, I've not really done anything that special. I just saw, you know, that, that there was this gap here in my community and, and tried to fill it. Um, so I think that the more that, that people do that and, and then go and pursue that, whether it's commentary, video editing, graphic design, um, you know, this or that, I think that you don't have to wait, you know, just do what you can now. And then you'll look back in, you know, a couple of years of, of, you know, doing one thing a week or so, or whatever cadence you set, and you're going to be really, you know, in a great spot. So that's, that's the last thing I want to leave people with. It's such a fantastic point because where the industry is going in the next five years, it's just nowhere but up. It's just going to keep growing. Yeah, and there's going totally. to be so much room for everybody. It's true. I mean, I want people to start esports camps and programs and companies in D.C. Honestly, I'm spending all my marketing dollars and I want them to spend some marketing dollars telling people what esports are, you know? It'll be great. And then the nice part is, you know, I want you to come to my tournaments. I'm going to go to your tournaments. Like the more that we could create that ecosystem at the local level, the more it, 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 you know, just creates a really firm base. And I feel like we're still very much missing that in the esports world. Absolutely. All right, Josh Hafkin, thank you so much for coming on today with us. Game thank you Jeff, so much. Check it out. Everybody else, remember, don't be just a gamer, be a gamerpreneur. Hey, if you like this podcast, I'd love to invite you to check out a little bit more about me, Dr. Bradford Carlton, the Gamerpreneur. If you go to my website, www.thegamerpreneur.com slash bonus, I'm going to give you a free copy of my book, The Warcraft of Business, where I explain my history in both gaming and business and how I brought the two together in order to create some very successful companies and help a lot of people. And all you got to do is pay for shipping and processing, and I'll send you this book. I absolutely know you're going to love it. All right. You all take it easy.